Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. My thanks to everyone who listens. Do make sure that you are signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you're not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Northern California, my guest is a singer, songwriter, piano player whose music has gotten more than a million and a half streams. As recently as two months ago, he has been opening for the Gin Blossoms and has also been invited to play with the likes of Everclear, Lisa Loeb, 38 Special, and more. He has not only performed throughout the U.S., but in international locations such as Nicaragua and Croatia. He has gotten acclaim from a number of publications, including Huffington Post, and has had Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads as a producer on his music. He has a new album on the way, which will be his sixth. You've been hearing his version of the popular song Drive by the Cars. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Alan Chappelle. Hey, Bruce, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. And wow, I've got to say, the deeper I got into my research for today, the more fascinating you became. But before I roll up my sleeves and all that, let's have you talk about Drive by the Cars, which we just heard you performing a rendition of. Why did you choose that song? Tell the audience who Lorenza Ponce is that performed on it and other details surrounding your having recorded that song. Sure. Well, look, I, I grew up with the Cars and Rick Ocasek, and and it's one of the more, you know, probably one of my top five favorite bands growing up. And and they were the first rock concert that I saw at fifteen or sixteen. And so, mm. um, and and Drive, interestingly, is one of those songs as iconic as it is. It, it I don't feel like it had been done very much. I don't know uh, of anybody else who's tried to cover it. And so, uh, you know, I, I started fiddling around in my in my home studio, uh, trying to come up with a version of it. And and the thing I was fiddling with on that particular Saturday uh, seemed to really work. And so I brought it into the to the whole band, and and we we kind of reworked it a little bit. And uh, you know, it ended up, you know, in the in the place that it is uh, on on the album. And uh, I'm I'm really glad we were able to do it. Um, you know, Lorenza Ponce has been in my band for a number of years now, and. and and Lorenza is, is I, I think is 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 the the you know the go-to if you if you're in a if you want a rock violinist uh, Lorenza is 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 your person. She is just ridiculously talented. She's played with a whole bunch of people who are uh, who have you know uh, who are at a much different level than I am, like Cheryl Crow and and Bon Jovi. Wow. Um, but the thing I love about Lorenza is that she's willing to work with me. Uh, you know, because sometimes she's playing what I'll call like a straight rock fiddle uh, on this song what she's doing is really more emulating a an 80s style keyboard and she does a whole bunch of different mm. things for me depending on what the song needs and it's it's really great to be able to work with people like that who are that talented and who are open to trying to explore and to, to find the next sound. There's something in there that I want to go back to that you said which is 
a lot of artists will look to cover a real popular song. And for your benefit, Alan, I do speak a lot on the show to people in the audience who are aspiring performers themselves. And I think you mentioned something in there that's really helpful to those folks, which is the fact that you recognize this is a real popular song, yet it doesn't really seem to get covered much. So I love that you identified that and said, I also have this history, and thus it's a great conclusion that this is a song I should record. Well, thanks. Thanks. And and yeah, that was really part of our thought process. And, you know, when you're covering a song, there's sort of two different ways to go about it. You can you can you can try to come up with something that's sort of a carbon copy of what the original was. I mean, if you if you think of, uh, uh, you know, somebody uh, uh, there's a band who covered a Grateful Dead song. And of course, their name is escaping me right now. But uh, but but it, it felt like what they did was very close to the original. They gave it their own little spin, but it was sort of a course to the original what i wanted to do is reinvent it but you have to be careful with reinventing songs because you, you want the audience to 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 be able to listen to it and still get what they originally enjoyed out of the song mm. and so what we did is we we played with the rhythm a little bit it's a little faster the, the the feel is a little different but i still think we got the original thing that 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 rick and, and the rest of the band were, were trying to go for well, and like you not being able to put your finger on that band name, I'm going to put myself on the spot now because I'm not going to be able to think of a song title. But we all know there's lots and lots and lots of songs that have been covered so many times that you hear another version of insert title here. So I like that you thought of Drive and thought, you know, I don't really know that this song has really been covered. So hats off to you for doing that. And folks, one of the cool things that we're going to get to hear Alan talk about today is recording remotely with his band. If you are a podcaster or a musician and you're ready to get serious about the sound quality of the audio that you're producing, there's something really cool that I've been using for a while now. It's a device from a company called Centrance, and it sits at the center of your recording rig and serves as an audio interface. But you can also quickly unplug it, throw it in your bag, and take it with you to use as a portable handheld recorder. It has professional preamps, so you're getting studio-quality sound, and this can even apply to any live streaming that you're doing also. It's not a huge piece of gear that's big and bulky and weighs a ton, nor is it something that has a huge learning curve and takes forever to figure out how to use. I am headed to Las Vegas at the end of next week, and we'll be out there for a week, and I'm taking mine with me so I can record interviews for this show while I'm out there all through the same device that I'm using right now as I sit here at my recording rig. Centrance even has a special offer for my audience. On the show website, nhte.net, use the Mixer Face ad. It's in the right-hand column on desktop, or scroll way down on mobile to find it. And once you click or tap on that to order through the Centrance website, they will not only give you free U.S. shipping, but when you put in the code BRUCE, they will send you a free watertight accessory case to carry it in. You can see a picture that I posted on March 31st of me holding this device inside the watertight accessory case on the at Now Hear This Entertainment official Instagram account. Order from Centrance today to get professional quality audio that your audience will love. Alan, you were talking about the song Drive by the cars that you recorded, but let's talk about your own original music. And specifically, I mentioned in the intro that you've got a new studio album called Two Fishes that you've been working on. Is that out yet? And if not, what stage is it at? And when will it be released? And for that matter, 
how many songs will there be? Is there anyone notable that we should know about who's a part of that project and so on? Sure. So, so Two Fishes will be uh, released as a complete album sometime this summer. We, we've uh, done a couple of singles. We did the Cars song as single number two. Uh, the first single was a song called Gold. Uh, and uh, we're just about about a week away from releasing The One You Left Behind, which will end up being the third single for the album. And then we may release one more single, and then we'll release the whole album, I, I would imagine, in May or June. Um, and so Two Fishes is uh, people ask me who the two fishes are. And I, I have uh, uh, two daughters. Uh, one is uh, named Rose, and she is just over two. And the other's name is Kylie, who is uh, in her 20s. And uh, Kylie was a uh, effectively a, a, a 9-11 baby. Mm. Uh, and Rose is a COVID baby. And so the <laughs> album is really juxtaposing the different places. And it isn't just about 9-11 and COVID. It's really about what was going on in my life and, and in their lives as they were growing up. And, and so the album, for the most part, is just juxtaposing the their two experiences growing up. You said something that I want to revisit as it relates to the audience member who might be a aspiring recording artist. You said that there's already been a couple singles released. You're going to release a couple more, and then you'll release the album. And it's dawning on me, audience, that this could turn into a drinking game every time Bruce says it's a singles-driven industry. Because, folks, if you've been listening to my show long enough, you know that I've said over and over that it really has become a singles-driven industry. And so, Alan, you're getting the best of both worlds there. You're releasing a bunch of singles first, and then you're putting out the album. So is there a right answer, Alan? You know, what is the number of singles that an artist should release before they finally say, okay, it's time to just give people the whole album now? Yeah, that's a great question. And and, um, I I think the answer is always what works best for you. I I would say this. Um, some of it depends on how much material you are planning to release. Now, there's there's great bands that only release an album every, what, two, three, four, five years. And so if you don't think you're going to be releasing anything soon, then I think what you want to do is, is you want to release as many singles as you can. And the reason I'm saying that is that Spotify and a lot of the platforms right now have give you opportunities to pitch songs to their, you know, to their team of editors and the whole game is to get uh songs placed on the spotify or the apple curated playlists because that's guaranteed listens and so uh every single time you release a single uh you you give yourself the opportunity to end up on one of those playlists and i've had a couple of songs on those types of playlists and those are the songs that have done uh by far the best for me um, the, the, the other thing I, I might be worth mentioning is that, that uh, even the idea of releasing an album is, is almost an archaic notion. Mm. The, the reason I do it is, is twofold. Uh, firstly, I grew up doing things that way. I grew up listening to albums. I, I wasn't, yeah. you know, there were periods of time where it was singles driven, but I was a album guy. I always loved the B and Z, you know, look, look at everything the police has, have released. Every single song on that album added additional an additional layer to the thing that they were creating, even though it, not every song was every breath you take. Every song was sort of brilliant in its own right. Mm-hmm. And so I aspire 
to, to create something that's that's a package. That's why, you know, when I say what Two Fishes is about, almost every song on the album is about that general concept. But it, you may be in a different position as an artist where it does, you don't even need to release albums. Oh, by the way, the second reason I, I do things as an album is I've got this, this, uh, this band who are in, you know, musicians who are in other bands. Uh, and some of them are in a whole bunch of other bands or on Broadway shows. And and so uh, if you want to record something, it just makes way more sense to record a group of, you know, 10 to 12 songs rather than try to get them in to record singles. Uh. Just, just, from a, just from a cost perspective, getting them all in the room for the rehearsal and the workaround and all that other stuff, uh, it makes much more sense for me to release a full album. Now, if you're one of those people that... That is able to create via GarageBand, and you just sort of do it yourself. Um, then it, it it probably makes more sense for you just to then release singles. Yeah, yeah. So I think I know the answer to this, but being quote unquote old fashioned the way you are, does this mean that the album when it comes out will be available in a physical form, be it vinyl or CD or both? Uh, yeah, it'll be available via CD. I haven't embraced the vinyl. It's not. <laughs> I grew up with it. But when you think about the the cost effectiveness of some of this stuff, for me, I haven't found an audience that was willing to buy the vinyl side. Now, CDs you sort of have to do because you want to release it to radio, and and many radio stations are still only accepting CDs. And then when you play live, you you want to be able to sell, and that's really you know how uh, one of the best ways to get your music out there. I mean, I when I was doing some of the shows in Florida a month or so ago with the Gin Blossoms, I. I undercounted. I think I, I, I sold out. I sold 40 CDs at a show, mm. and, and I had had 50 for three shows combined, thinking I had, you know, that I was well stocked. Well, uh, God bless the the state of Florida, but they uh, <laughs> uh, they, they bought they they sold me out. I had no T-shirts or CDs left by the time I got out of Florida. Well, and I'm in Tampa, so I did see on your website that you were actually just an hour away from me. You were in Lake Buena Vista, and I'm known to go there fairly regularly. So I would have come over to see you. I would have been thrilled to meet you in person. I know I would have enjoyed your show, but I would have left without a CD because that's one of those instances where people say it's a good problem to have. No, it's not a good problem to have because you left money on the table. Well, not not just that, but uh, but I left people who were interested in hearing my music, who might not have Spotify or, or some of the other services, mm. and now they aren't going to get to hear it. And and you know, human nature being what it is, I I may have lost them forever. Wow, wow. I want to go back to your your mention of the police because that's also bringing out a good point in that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that crazy song by the police called Mother? Wasn't that on Synchronicity? And, and who would have ever gotten to know that song if they never put out an album and just released singles? Well, it's, it's, it's really interesting that you bring that up because Mother, which, which is almost unlistenable, yeah. except for in the context of the whole album, yet when Miss Kredenko, which is the next song, comes in... Suddenly, Mother's a better song somehow. Mm, it, I like it, that. It, 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 when Miss Kredenko comes in, it just it, it feels so good and soothing. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, really, it's really interesting. Yeah, good point. I'm, I'm laughing, but it is a good point, though. Just to come full circle on Two Fishes, did I miss it, or did you say 
how many songs are going to be on that album when it's completed and released? Oh, it, it'll be twelve. I, I, I've had wow. twelve or thirteen on every on every album that I've I've released, and 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 some of that is just that I know that if I do two days in the studio with my band, I can usually get six songs recorded in terms of the basic tracks, and so I shoot for twelve. Um, it doesn't always work out that way, but uh, but but I shoot for twelve. Outstanding, outstanding. I made a vague reference to this as I was starting to talk about Centrance, but to get specific now, talk about what Audio Movers is and how that relates to the recording of the Two Fishes album. So we didn't use Audio Movers much for Two Fishes. Um, there's another album that I started working on about a year ago that uh, that right now looks like it'll be a double album because so far there's 26 songs on it. Mm. That that uh, So uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, if you remember, about two years ago, New York was on lockdown, and there were some riots where there was some some they were literally burning buildings uh, a couple of blocks from us in the West Village, and so my wife and I and, and brand new daughter decided to move out to Sausalito, and so we've been out there most of the last uh, two years, um, and so uh, I was in a situation where I was writing a whole bunch of songs, but my band was located in, in New York and I was out in Sausalito. So we came up with the idea of using this audio movers program where uh, it allows you with a little bit of latency, but to actively participate in listening uh, as if you were sitting in a recording studio with the band. And so what I did is I, I rented out a small recording studio and had my band rehearse there. And so you got near recording quality um, uh, rehearsals. Uh, and I would send in my vocals and the keyboard parts prior to the band, you know, uh, getting there. So I wasn't playing along with them so much as I was I listening. See. And I see. What, what I found is when you remove yourself uh, as a performer and you're not worrying about whether you hit the right note singing wise, uh, you, you're, you open yourself up to be more of a producer. And so I was able to provide a lot more feedback to the band about, no, no, this isn't working, or we need to cut this measure, or, wow. hey, can we do wow. the guitar a little differently, or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and it worked. It, it It's funny. We, we were a little skeptical going in that we didn't think it was going to work that well, and it just went beyond our wildest expectations. That's really fascinating because I think what you're saying is if you were there with them in person, you would not have put on this metaphorical producer's hat, you would have just been focused on, I'm just here to be the singer. Yeah, it's 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 hard to really listen to other things if if you're if because it, typically when you're recording an album or at least when I record an album, you know we'll sing the song, we'll we'll perform the song what three to six times, and I will use the vocal takes from those performances as the going in thing that I'll use for the album. And sometimes there's some editing, and they'll use you know part of take two and part of take five or whatever. So I'm focusing on making sure that I am aligned vibe wise with the rest of the band. I see. Or if I'm in a recording studio, I'm, I'm sorry, rehearsal studio, you, you tend to try to do that. Am, am I, is what I'm doing vibing with the band? Yeah. And, and so you don't really pay attention nearly as much to the band. Yeah, yeah, wow. So let's go back to the reference to New York and California because I want to make sure I'm understanding this. Did you permanently move to California or do you still have a place in New York? 
We, we, we've kept our little place in, in the West Village. I, I've, I've lived there for most of the last, I don't know, 20 or so years, and, and it, there's a place in my heart there. But we also have a place we're able to stay in Sausalito. Uh, so long story short, I, I, I started coming out to Sausalito about 10 years ago to record an album with, with Jerry Harrison and his recording studio was right across the street from the houseboat community and jerry said look uh, you know i don't know how long we're going to be working on this album but if i were you i'd rent out a houseboat because it's just such a unique experience and he was right on it's 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 just such a it's such an interesting and vibrant uh and and rather quirky uh uh community (laughs) well this is really cool as notable as new york and california are in the music world even though back in the intro i had said that alan has performed internationally in nicaragua and croatia he has also performed in india as well because he actually lived there alan when was that how long did you live there and under what circumstances were you living in india in the first place so it's funny. I, I like to blame Kurt Cobain for the whole thing in <laughs> India, because what what ended up happening for me is I was in a in a pretty well noteworthy uh, band in in New England, uh, who was you know drawing hundreds and and sometimes thousands of people. Uh, and then, and, and I was the keyboard player and it was sort of an 80s synth ish type of a band, and then suddenly the grunge thing happened. And, and literally overnight, all the work for keyboardists uh, dried up. Mm. And there just wasn't, I, I couldn't get anything going in New York uh, as a piano player or a keyboardist, what, what, what have you. And so I met this group of people uh, who were living in, in uh, Mumbai. Uh, and they had been invited on the Peter Gabriel World of uh, Music and Dance Tour back in 94 and 95. And, and mm. so we hit it off and we wrote a bunch of songs together and we played some shows out there. And I lived in, in, in India for, you know, four or five months back in the mid-90s. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny because I, I, I like to say that almost everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I mean, everything from, you know, uh, you know the, the record label uh, and ended up, it just ended up not working out. They dropped us. Um, but even with that, it was really one of the more enriching experiences of my life because I got introduced to the whole Carnactic Indian style of music and, and mm. rhythms. And uh, I, I, I like to think that that still influences what I'm doing today. Well, as cool as it is that you lived and performed in India and that you did perform in Nicaragua and Croatia, not to mention the very well-respected venue in New York known as The Bitter End, describe the, I keep using this word a lot, the cool atmosphere where you are that I read that you have performed at relative to houseboats. Oh, so so the houseboat community of Sausalito, I think, is is one of the only places that has had consistently live music through the pandemic. And what what they've done, which is sort of ingenious, is that you would uh, and I've performed, but I've also gone and seen a whole bunch of great bands. People will uh, use a generator, and you'll be on what what they call an anchor out, which is somebody who's not really affiliated with the houseboat community, but just has a has a floating home. 
out in uh, Richardson Bay off of uh, San Francisco, and you'll that'll be your stage. And people will come up in every type of boat, some kayaks, some rowboats, uh, some larger boats, and you'll literally play to 100 or 150 people uh, from Richardson Bay in Sausalito. And I've done a couple of those shows, and boy, are they fun. That's so cool. That's so cool. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Northern California by singer, songwriter, piano player, Alan Chappelle. Visit his official website at thisischappelle.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on his website, there are lots and lots of links for you to both get Alan's music as well as to engage with him. Look for the logos there to get his music from iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, all three of which this show is available on. You can even get his music from Amazon as well. And yes, this show can also be heard on Amazon Music. Social media-wise, there are links on thisischappelle.com to engage with him on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Keep up with him online, too, so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. At the very start of the show, I mentioned the e-newsletter. If you were getting that, you would have been the first to find out that I'll be in Las Vegas from April 22nd to the 29th and that I have been chosen to be a speaker at PodFest Multimedia Expo, which means that I will be in Orlando from May 25th to the 29th sharing some of my podcasting wisdom with the attendees of that conference. I'm also sharing knowledge from my more than eight years of doing this show every week through one-on-one podcasting consultations, doing coaching with everyone from people who are thinking of starting a podcast to people who already have a podcast up and running. These are private one-on-one video sessions that you can bring your questions to so I can give you help that comes from having hosted this and other podcasts for a combined total of more than 600 episodes. Take advantage of that by booking a session with me. Just send an email to podcast at nhte.net or even send me a private message on Instagram or Facebook. Alan, I know the listeners always enjoy hearing some fun stories about, in your case, doing shows with the Gin Blossoms. How did that opportunity come to be, and what is something cool that you can share from that that the listeners would dig? So, uh, you know, the the Gin Blossoms have been really good to me. I've played a dozen or so shows over the years, sometimes with my whole band. But in COVID times, I've done a bunch uh, just as a solo performer. And, you know, for for some reason, they're... Their management has, you know, selected me about four or five years ago to, to play a show up in uh, Westchester, uh, New York, and uh, you know we haven't really looked back. We've done, I've done I've done a bunch, and and it looks like I'm going to do a couple more later on this year. They're they're about to do a, a larger uh, show with Bare Naked Ladies, and so they're playing stadiums right now, and I'm really mm-hmm. happy for them because they you know to a person over on that uh, a band they really really couldn't be, you know, a kinder bunch of guys. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because a lot of times on this show, we will hear a guest say, uh, I opened for insert A-lister here, but it was a one-off. And so, no, I didn't even get to meet them. And then we have other guests that will say, yeah, I did a show with so-and-so as the headliner and I got to meet them and they were nice to me. But I'd have to think with you having done at least a dozen shows with them that y'all have gotten to know each other by this point. 
Yeah, I, I would say for the first couple of the shows, you know, either I didn't see much of them or just didn't get to know them uh, nearly as well. But, you know, when you've over the years and you've played a couple of times and they've gotten to know you, you know, you, you start to build little friendships. And, and uh, you know, I now, you know, every single time I. I, you know, that, that I play live with them, you know, I, I have a, a kind of a separate relationship with almost everybody in the band that, you mm. know, Jesse of Valenzuela, the guitar player, you know, uh, he's almost always there during my sound check and we bounce off, you know, I, ideas with each other. And he's been really supportive of, of, of my music. And we've talked a bit and, uh, bass player Bill. And, and it's, it's really, you know, it, it, it's nice to know that that group is as, you know, uh, as supportive as it they've been yeah that's really neat i like that i like that speaking of performing live i read something that says quote chappelle's live show features musicians that you would normally only see at msg or some other stadium end quote can you elaborate on that for us well, yeah. So, so I, I've got this band who, you know, who uh, are in other bands, and and some of those bands are Bon Jovi or Avril Lavigne, um, you know, or Gavin DeGraw, and and uh, and you know, these guys are just ridiculously talented, and, wow. and I'm honored that they, you know, I don't have the budgets of any of those bands, but they're, you know, they're willing to to play with me, and and because I think they they really dig the music and they dig the vibe and. And uh, and we, we just have a great time together. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned that with the pandemic, you were in situations where you would perform solo. But I think I read that you sometimes perform with a band that's as large as seven. Is that correct? I, you know, for a while I was doing seven. So, so when I first, uh, you know, eight, nine years ago, I, I had a trumpet player, I had a violin player, bass, drum, guitar, keys, and me. And, and then somewhere along the line, probably after album four, penultimate, I decided to, to move away from using a trumpet player. And, and it's, you know, I grew up playing the trumpet. It was really my, you know, my, my first instrument and my first love. Uh, but I felt like, uh, uh, that I, I I had too many things going on, or like that's what I was feeling at the time. And so so pared that down, and then and then for, for the most recent uh, set of albums, not two fishes, but the ones that I'm working on now, I, I decided to just take over as as keyboardist as well. Um, so so you know now we're a we're a nice sleek slim down five piece, but but for a while we were seven. Well, and you talking about trumpet, you know, you also start to identify certain sounds and you have to ask yourself, is that what I want my sound to be known for? For instance, uh, Shameless Plug. For those of you that didn't hear it, I'll put a link on Alan's episode page on NHTE.net to my recent interview with Bill Champlin, who was in the band Chicago for 28 years. And Chicago is a band that you automatically associate with horns. So as an artist, you do have to take a step back once in a while and do, as I like to call it, a self-audit and say, ah, do I really still want to use trumpet? Is that something that I, I want to hear as, as part of my sound? Or am I going a different way? Is that not my brand, etc.? So it's, it's cool that you've made that adjustment. And, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at to say we're, we're quote-unquote, only a five-piece now. There's a cool story about when you were in high school, and as a junior, were already writing your own original music, and you got to record an EP with a well-known producer, except that you weren't really aware at the time how fortunate you were to be working with him. Tell us about that. 
Well, yeah, I had the good fortune of working with a guy named Jimmy Einer, and uh, Jimmy is probably best known to the world as the executive producer of the Dirty Dancing uh, movie soundtrack. Hmm. Uh, but Jimmy has, you know, Grammy awards uh, for his production duties with a whole bunch of bands over the years. The Bay City Rollers. He did some work with Eric Carmen. Uh, he owned uh, his own record label for a while. I mean, Jimmy. Uh, wow. Jimmy is a giant. In the in the music industry, and of course, you know me as a fifteen or sixteen year old, I didn't really appreciate uh, how fortunate I was. You know, it was my first EP, and of course, I was working with a you know, Grammy award winning uh, producer. Um, and so, it, it, it was funny. In hindsight, you know, I, I would say that that I probably uh, I, I probably could have done a little more listening and a little less talking uh, during mm. some of those sessions. But I will say that. That Jimmy and the Einer family as a whole uh, were were really kind to me o over the years and uh, and 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 really uh, you know mentored me and and I, I learned a ton just working with. Him. Well, and there's a couple fascinating elements of that story. Yes, working with him and all of his credentials, but the fact that you were only a junior in high school and not only already writing music, but to the point where you were already ready to record an EP. Well, yeah, I, you know, I started playing music when I was, I don't know, I think I took trumpet lessons at four or five and piano wow. lessons not too long after that. And wow. my, my dad is a, is a jazz sax player. Uh, and, and so there's, you know, definitely music in, in, in my whole family. And that was just one of the things growing up, you know, uh, you know, some kids play little league, uh, some kids take, you know, trumpet and piano lessons. And, and, uh, uh, I did both, although I wasn't very good at little league, I but I did a little better on the music side. And, uh, and that was just always part of my uh, of my life. But you mixed in songwriting too. It wasn't just trumpet and piano. It was I'm also young enough that I know that music is my thing, and I'm going to dive right into this songwriting aspect. Yeah, it just worked out that way. I just you know one day I woke up and I said you know hey I want to I, I I hear these songs on the radio. I I think I can do that. Mm. And and you know sometimes you, you're 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 just young enough and maybe naive enough not to realize that that that's sort of a big undertaking. And mm. You just start doing. Well, on a related note, we've heard you talk about living in New York, in California, in India, performing at cool places with some really amazing people. You have a lot of experiences to draw from, which I imagine has to help with song ideas. Can you share with us about your songwriting process? Well, well, sure. And, and, you know, f for me, uh, the thing that works and, and I, you know, I, I know you've got an audience of people who are, you know, some of them are songwriters, some of them are aspiring songwriters. And really you have to find a process that works for you and, and you have to, and, and then you have to be open to maybe changing that process. But, but for me, the thing that's worked is, you know, almost every Saturday, uh, will be my writing day. Mm. And, and I, I'll literally, you know, after I, I do some things in the morning, I will just sort of disappear off into the West Village or, or Sausalito or wherever we happen to be uh, hanging out and and with a, a couple of song ideas. You know, maybe it's just some chords that are going together with a little bit of melody in my head. And I try to let the song come to me. I try to, you know, wh what am I really trying to do here? And, and some of it is just a guessing game of throwing anything up against the wall as you're singing a melody, what words fit? 
and 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 uh, and sometimes you go through a lot of dead ends, but eventually you end up with something like, all right, maybe the way you want it is the way you got it. You're like, oh, okay, all right, well, that's interesting, and okay, well, where do I want to go with that with that idea? And you know, sometimes sometimes it writes itself in in a matter of a couple of hours, and sometimes it takes weeks and months to to get a single song uh, idea done, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but but that that's the process that works for me and and you know the 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 place I draw from is you know I try to write what I know I try to write about people either that I know very well uh, or just from you know just watching other people in different places and New York City is a great a great place <laughs> to just people watch <laughs> no doubt no doubt well obviously two fishes is kind of at the center of your radar right now I read that you might also do a mini UK tour. What is in the immediate future for you as we get deeper into 2022 now? Yeah, so I think in the immediate future, I'm trying to spend the next month or so mostly focusing on uh, getting the current double album ready to mix. Uh, and, and, uh, and I've got a couple of things in the work uh, that that we're not quite ready to announce, but you're going to see some big shows and the likes of you know the Everclear or Jim Blossoms tours that I've done, um, and and then a, and a bunch of solo shows and a couple of shows with the band. Uh, it's going to be a really exciting summer for me, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. So cool, so cool. Well, folks, I've been referring to Alan throughout this interview as a singer, songwriter, piano player. You heard him mention that he actually played trumpet when he was a kid, but if all that is not enough. You are actually also an attorney, Alan, I understand. So to what extent do you practice? How often? How seldom? What kind of law do you do? Well, yeah. So, you know, when I came back from India, uh, I started thinking, well, like, what happens if this music thing isn't going to work out? Mm. So I went into law school in uh, the late 90s and studied uh, human rights law. Um, mostly because I thought it would be interesting and not really with a with a sense of what I wanted to do with it. And, and what happened in the late 90s is that this whole new media, Internet, digital media thing happened. And I, I, I uh, got to know a whole bunch of people who were really trying to reinvent the music industry or reinvent the publishing industry. And uh, I built up those relationships over years. And, and I work now with a bunch of tech companies uh, on uh, privacy issues. I, I became kind of a pr- uh, consumer privacy expert. You know, what standards, what data can be used and what circumstances. And and for me, it's it's been a really fun uh, you know, uh, uh, fun thing to do, and it, it it fits nicely with with the music, and and it's also helpful that it helps pay the bills because, uh, you know, the music industry, you know, uh, it doesn't pay what it used to. Yeah, and unfortunately, as impressive as it is that you've had more than a million and a half streams on Spotify, it doesn't add up to a million and a half dollars, and as we know. So, 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 so many people in music are doing more than just one thing. And being an attorney is not so terrible to be the other thing that you're doing. I'm curious, are you licensed to practice in California or in New York or both? I am I passed the New York bar back in, I don't know, 2000 or 2001. I forget now. but uh, and, and so I'm licensed to practice in, in New York. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to close with another song from Alan, one called Gold. Before I let you go and I play that song, Alan, tell us all about this track, if you would, please. 
Sure. So, you know, a minute ago we talked about the songwriting experience and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you will write about a very specific event or a very specific story, but sometimes it's fun just to take a set of circumstances and, and think about how one might react in those circumstances. So gold is sort of a faux confessional of, uh, 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 the me that never made it out of Stanford, Connecticut, which is where I grew up. And the idea that was that I, I found an ex-girlfriend who had gone on to great things in New York city and just decided to surprise her one night after not talking to her for, for 15 or 20 years. And, and that version of me was, was somebody who was sort of down on his luck and never made it out of the, the town we grew up in, uh, but was pleading with her uh, that, that we can still be the thing we were, the, the golden couple, uh, uh, the king and queen of Stamford, Connecticut, that we were back in high school. So I want to understand what you just said. That really happened, or you imagined the whole thing, what if I reconnected with this ex, and what if we became the king and queen, etc.? Well, it, it was really it, it. So none of this ever happened. Th- okay. This was sort of a yeah. So this was really me, you know, th- a, a version of me that never made it out of Stanford, Connecticut, that never went to law school, that never uh, had some of the musical success that I've been fortunate enough to have. I see. And so, and what would that me do with with this this woman from my past? If I if I you know found her on a Facebook page and and decided to surprise her in New York City. So I'm curious then, as a songwriter, is it easier to write a song that is based on something that really happened to you or someone close to you and there is a finite set of parameters, or is it easier to write something that is completely imagined where it's infinite what you can do with it? Oh, I, I think having parameters is almost a good thing, you know, almost always a positive and good thing. Because, because the, you know, any song can be about anything. When you first have a melody in your head, the sky's the limit. It can be about anything. But that's almost the most daunting thing. Because, mm. what, you know, and so the, the idea that you, you decide that it's going to be about this thing or this story, then suddenly all you need to do is to fill in the details around the story. So gold was actually a little more challenging because because I had some parameters because I, I know who I am and I can imagine you know had I taken a couple of different steps in my life you know how that might have worked out uh, but but there isn't a story that I can recount. There aren't details from that story that I can choose to bring out. I've got to make up those details. And so for me, I think that was even that's a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I see that because if someone comes up with this idea and they start talking about, well, this couple, they're in a room together and they're painting the walls blue. And then all of a sudden they get off on such a tangent that now they've got the guy up in an airplane flying to Hawaii. You go, wait, guys, we're, we're getting way off track here. Like, let's kind of stick to what we said the song was going to be about. So you're right. You've, you've done a good job in painting a picture for me and the audience here, I'm sure, of how carried away you can get when there's not this set of parameters in front of you. Right. And, and, you know, what you've just done is described almost everybody's first novel. <laughs> you start in a room painting the blue and then suddenly you're in a plane. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, you're, you're scuba diving somewhere. And, <laughs> and, and, and as a first time writer of a novel, and, and I, I've only dabbled in this, but I've talked to a bunch of friends who have, who have written a bunch. Um, you, you, in your head, it's really clear how you got from the painting the blue room into the, into the skydiving or whatever. But 
the audience is completely lost. Mm. And so the skill you need to have is is because otherwise it's not believable. You've got to be able to draw those parallels, and it's got to be like it's got to make sense that somebody's going from point A to point B to point C. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Wow, wow, that's a cool way to end the show. But Alan, let me thank you first. Really great to meet you. I appreciate you coming on now here at this entertainment. Congratulations on all this great new music that you have released and are releasing, and can't wait to see what else is in store in 2022. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bruce. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, piano player, Alan Chappelle. Do visit his official website, thisischappelle.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. You have heard a lot about Two Fishes today, as well as Alan's music in general. Look for him on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Plus, be sure to engage with him on social media. This morning, I followed him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'm sure that he would appreciate you doing the same. We didn't get a chance to talk about Alan's official YouTube channel. There is a link on thisischappelle.com for that, where you'll want to check out the music video for the song that I'm about to play. It already has over 17,000 views in just six months. Be sure to let Alan know that you heard him and his music. I now hear this entertainment. And remember to keep up with him online so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. You can see me if you will be in Las Vegas from April 22nd to the 29th or in Orlando from May 25th to the 29th. But you don't even have to travel to see me one-on-one for a private online video consultation to help you with podcasting. Whether you are a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, I am happy to help with whatever questions, whatever challenges you have. I have been speaking at podcasting events around the country for several years now, and I've been hosting this show every week for more than eight years now. There is another podcast that I do every week that started over three years ago. I'm helping folks just like you, and I even posted an article about all that on the website. Email me through podcast at nhte.net or send me a private message through Instagram or Facebook, and let's schedule a time to get online together so that you too can enjoy your podcasting experience. That's going to do it for episode 426. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Alan Chappelle. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Gold.